Jesus said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Please pray with me. Dear God, we offer this time to you this morning. We ask you to be here with us, and we trust that you are here among us. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, gosh, I'm so honored to be here with you this morning. My name is Nick Lannon. I'm... um, here just for the weekend, but starting at Christmas time, I'll be here all the time. Um, I'm going to be your uh, new associate rector. I couldn't be more excited um, to bring my family. You'll see they're much more fun than I am. Um, but I'm just uh, so happy to be here this morning. I, I did a lot of thinking this week as I was preparing this sermon, sort of how to introduce myself to you because almost none of you know me at all. This is maybe the first time you're even laying eyes on me. And so what do I say here in our first few moments together um, to get you to know who I am? And I thought maybe a good thing to do would be to choose a psalm that describes me. So that's what I've done. I've chosen a psalm that really sort of nails who I am. I'd like to read it to you now. Remember, this is me in psalm form. This is Psalm 1, actually. Psalm 1 says this. Blessed is the man... Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now I can say that this psalm describes me because you don't know me at all. I can say that I'm like a tree planted by streams of water, a tree that yields fruit in season, and a tree whose leaves do not wither. In all that I do, I can claim to you, I prosper. As you get to know me, you'll get to know how untrue this psalm is of me. Every day, in fact, that you know me more and more, this psalm will seem less and less like me. But... There is someone who thought this psalm totally described them, and it's actually somebody you know better than you know me. I used to think actually that this psalm was my favorite. I used to say that this is my favorite psalm because it was sort of nicely divided. It was easy to tell what kind of people were righteous and what kind of people were wicked. It sort of laid out the differences so clearly. The righteous were this tree planted by a beautiful stream, and the wicked are like chaff that the wind blows away. And I was pretty sure, and from time to time still am sure, that I'm the righteous one. After all, I don't drink, I didn't um, have any drug issues or premarital sex, or even associate with those who did. 
Uh, we won't talk about whether or not I wanted to do any of those things. Uh, let's just leave it at the fact that I wasn't invited to any of the places where those things were happening. And I thought myself, um, I thought very highly of myself because of it. But now I want to introduce you to this other man who you know better than you know me. And he wrote a psalm himself about how he is like a tree planted by streams of water and his leaves do not wither. He says this, Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind, for I have always been mindful of your unfailing love, and I have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with the hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty and whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. I lead a blameless life. Deliver me. Be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground. In the great congregation, I will praise the Lord. And that's Psalm 26, written by King David, who seems quite confident in his righteousness, doesn't he? Test me, Lord, he says. Try me. Examine my heart and my mind. I wash my hands in innocence. Now there's someone who's pretty sure that he's that tree planted by streams of water and not wind-driven chaff. What about us? Are we the righteous or the wicked? And how are we supposed to know? So keeping these two psalms in mind, I want us to look um, at our gospel reading this morning from Matthew chapter 22. And I'm going to read just a couple verses from it that you've all heard many times. One of the Pharisees, who was a lawyer, asks Jesus a question to test him. He says, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus says to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, the Bible is full of rules, right? It's full of laws. It's full of these sort of instructions. I've even heard it referred to as basic instructions before leaving earth, right? B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. This is sometimes, I think, how we think of the Bible. And when we think about how do we determine who's righteous and who's wicked, who's the tree planted by water and who's the chaff that the wind is going to blow away, we say, well, who's following the rules? Who's doing what God has asked them to do? Who's following the commandments? Who's obeying these basic instructions before leaving earth? Now, I haven't actually sat down and counted them, but I read somewhere once that the Old Testament has 613 laws in it. That sounds about right, let's say. Well, that's a lot. 
if we were going to endeavor to be righteous, if we were going to endeavor to be the tree planted by streams of water, 613 laws sounds daunting. It sounds like it would be hard to even remember what they were, much less try to actually follow them. And so Jesus, in our gospel lesson this morning, does us a favor. In answering the Pharisees' question, Jesus boils the law down to two great commandments. We go from 613 laws to just two. Love your God, love your neighbor. Well, not just that, right? Love God with everything you have and with all that you are. And love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus has taken all the rules and said, you know what? Don't worry about that. Just love God with everything you have and love your neighbor as yourself. That's a load off. Much simpler. We don't have to worry anymore about how the animal we're eating was treated before it was killed. We don't have to worry about what fabrics our clothing is created from. We just... Following the rules is so much easier now. Just love God and love your neighbor. But is it easier? Is loving my neighbor as myself really a lightened load? To really think of others before I think of myself? Sometimes I think I'd rather follow 613 simple laws than have to love somebody else. A while ago I was an angry and self-centered human being for two days because I had a piece of pot roast stuck in my teeth. I'm serious. I was ornery, annoyed, just not a pleasant person to be around, all because of pot roast. I tried everything. I tried the fingernail. I tried the floss. Even the toothpick, which I think is really dangerous. But I tried it because this pot roast was killing me. It was turning me into this awful person, and I know, and I knew that I was supposed to love my neighbor, but I couldn't care about my neighbor as long as I had this thing stuck in my teeth. A piece of pot roast defeated me. I was utterly helpless in the face of pot roast. I was an utter failure at loving my neighbor, much less God. And as it turns out, as I day-to-day actually live my life, Loving my neighbor is impossible for me, even when I have clean teeth. I'm always thinking of myself. That's my M.O. I want to watch the movies that I want to watch. I want to eat the food that I want to eat. I want to sleep as late as I want to sleep, and so on. And that's just one weekend at home with my wife. And I'm married to her. I promised in public to love her. Forget all the other people out in the world. Don't even get me started on the ways that my kids infringe on the things that I want to do. And so it turns out that I'm not as righteous as I thought. I'm less like that tree planted by streams of water than I wish I was. And maybe when you read the Psalms, you're worried that you're not either. Now, I wish I could be like King David. I wish I could read the great commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. I wish I could read those words and then in response sing Psalm 26. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in integrity. I have trusted the Lord without wavering. I wash my hands 
in innocence. But my life doesn't feel like Psalm 26 at all. Trusted in the Lord without wavering? Wash my hands in innocence? That's not me. My psalm would be a much darker proposition. I know that I have not walked in my integrity. I have not trusted the Lord without wavering. My hands are guilty of innumerable sins. And I deserve at every moment to be swept away with the sinners. Because I am one. But here's something strange. Remember we said that it was King David who wrote Psalm 26. That's right. The same king who's writing about his innocence and how he can be vindicated and how the Lord should test him because he's definitely going to pass is the same King David who had an affair with Bathsheba and murdered her husband to cover it up. And yet somehow he can write these words, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. I wash my hands in innocence. You know the story, right? He's the king, and he looks out his window, and he sees on a neighboring rooftop a beautiful woman taking a bath, and he'd like to be with her. So he exercises his kingly ability to do whatever the heck he wants and takes her into his house. There's one problem, though. She's married. Her husband is a soldier, so the king summons him to the palace, and after checking him out, he gives the husband, whose name is Uriah, a note to give to his commander. One of those, take this note to somebody, but don't look at it sort of things. Just a word to the wise. If somebody ever gives you a note to give to somebody else but asks you not to look at it, that note is bad news for you. (laughs) In this case, the note tells Uriah's commander to send Uriah to the front lines and then pull the army back, leaving him exposed and vulnerable. And it works. Uriah is killed, and David keeps Bathsheba for himself. And yet somehow this man writes this psalm. Vindicate me, O Lord. Test me. Try me. You will see that I have led a blameless life. I wash my hands in innocence. Innocence? What? Something has got to have happened in between. These two things don't seem to add up. The guilt on the one hand and the innocence on the other. We're called to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and called to love our neighbors as ourselves. We don't have to do the things that King David did. We can look at our own lives just for the last week, just for the last day, or even this very morning and know that we haven't done that. Could we ever sing Psalm 26? Vindicate me, O Lord. Check me out. Look at my life. I am blameless. Could we ever be on the right side of Psalm 1? That tree planted by streams of water rather than the wind-blown chaff? Something has to intervene. After David has ordered Bathsheba's husband murdered, the prophet Nathan shows up at the king's court and calls him out in front of everyone. He says, why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? 
You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. Nathan might as well have shouted in front of the whole court, Sinner! Confronted with the truth about his actions, David says, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan, after so publicly calling out the king, says this amazing thing. The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. Now for David, these words of the prophet, the Lord has taken away your sin, are the announcement of the good news that enables him to sing about his innocence. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have led a blameless life. God himself has come to David and taken his sins away, leaving David blameless. For us, it is the cross of Jesus Christ, the blood of our Savior spilled for us, in which we are washed clean and declared innocent. Jesus came offering his righteousness in exchange for our sin, his goodness in exchange for our badness, his blamelessness for our guilt. We are vindicated because of Christ. We are blameless because of Christ. David was told that God would not hold his sins against him, that God had in fact taken away his sins. We are told through Christ and the cross that we are made innocent because we have been given the innocence of him who died for us. And so today we remember the one who came to die, the one who came to trade his righteousness, his innocence, his blamelessness for our sin, for our guilt, for our shame. Looking to the cross, we can sing with King David and Psalm 26, sweep me not away with sinners and know that in Christ, today and forever, it is finished and we are innocent. Amen.